been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. You make me feel so young You make me feel so spring has sprung And every time I see you grin I'm such a happy individual The moment that you speak Welcome to the world-famous God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. He who irritates me. Absolutely. I'm playing this song for you, Bill, because as I was traveling the lands of Southern California, I turned 50. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm having my senior moments already. Yep. Uh, I'm getting forgetful. I, 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 you know, wake up in the morning and, and uh, make yep. more noises. Just, just in the last couple of weeks, this has gotten worse. And then I remind myself... Bill is still older than me. I am, and so you make me feel so young. This uh, it's a gift. The, the, here's here's my my gift to you on your fiftieth birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that about says it all, right there. It's it's from here on out. It's it's faith and pharmaceutical. <laughs> I have been living by pharma for the last uh, twenty years or so. Oh so yeah, I, you know this is just going to get better. I used uh, I used to fight pharmaceuticals. You know, I was like, no, I'm not taking any open open ended long term prescriptions for anything. And and for you know years it, it was like exercise, eat right, all that, all those those fake religions that we have uh, <laughs> promise. You know that they will bring you to the promised land of health and happiness if you just follow their silly rules, and and then then I realized I heard a doctor uh, on the radio who talked about you know these guys who live to be a hundred and ten, they yeah. drink a pint of Jack Daniels every day, they smoke like crazy. Yeah, they've been smoking since they were eleven. Yeah, and yeah. and he says he says now I want you to think about guys like that and re- always remember this, that's not you. <laughs> That that this this is a genetic quirk, you know. This is this is something in the human genome where where they're just like bulletproof to the 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 changes and chances of life and the abuses that we heap upon our bodies. He said the rest of us, mere mortals, are um, we're these kind of like ticking time bombs of everything that's gone wrong in our genetic past, you know. And pharmaceuticals are a way to mitigate bad genetics. So that's how I look at it today. It's like, you know, didn't get the best of genes in the cardiovascular department. Take the pills, man. Take the pills. Well, it, it, not just that, but, uh, you know, my brother works for a large pharma company. Oh. And uh, they, they employ armies of botanists to, to travel the world over to find plants that have beneficial properties. Oh, yeah. Then they bring them back, synthesize them, make them like a thousand times stronger, put it in a pill. Oh, yeah. And, and there you go. It's your herbal cure, but uh, on steroids and and in a little pill instead. Instead of having to take a bottle full every day, you just take one. Well, there, there's there's a, a couple of other little caveats. Now you're a chemist, so you're going to start making up crazy <laughs> science stuff, and I believe that science is the enemy of my health. Yeah, so well, uh, it at is, least your science it's is probably the cause of a lot of your problems. <laughs> um, but but here here's here's the deal in a nutshell. Okay, you cannot patent a natural product, and so you have to tinker with it. If you find oh, sure. if you find that some like native peoples have been sucking on some tree bark for two thousand years, and it has this wonderful effect, so yeah, so they'll figure out what the active component is, isolate it, purify it. But you can't just put it out there. You gotta tinker with it somehow. Right? They'll, they'll formulate it and they'll mix it with some chalk or no, no, or not just formulation. You know? You've got to change the component molecularly, and so there are no. That's why. That's why you don't have any natural products being sold as pharmaceuticals 
Uh, they're, they're, if nothing else, you got to tinker with it so you get a 13-year monopoly and you can make oodles of money off of right, it. Right, right, right. Not to say yeah. that natural products are better. I, I love people who, who say... That's that's all in the details, though. I, I, I like people who say it has no chemicals. It's entirely natural. It's like, dude, do you realize how many chemicals are in nature? Nature's all yeah. about chemicals. There's chemicals all over the place. You know, it's like no no chemicals. We, we, use, we use natural vinegar. That's acetic <laughs> acid, you know? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, I always uh, laugh over this because they say it's all natural, so it can't hurt you. And uh, you oh. Know, oh, well, go roll in some natural poison ivy. See how you do with that one. Or how about a little natural snake venom for, uh, you know, injection there? I, I don't think that's going to end up too yeah, well no, for no you. No kidding. Well, the, the thing is that the, the problem with natural products is you don't necessarily have a good beat on how much you're taking because it yeah, varies. That. Yeah. Uh, it comes it comes along. It brings a lot of its friends with you when you're when you're taking a pill, a, a, a prescription pill um, that's a purified compound that's purified you know compound that's been compounded with inert ingredients just to make it swallowable you know you ever look at like a pill that your pills like 10 milligrams or something but the thing is is big enough to put into a little container because uh, 10 milligrams is barely just a, a speck of dust there so um, but the, the thing is it's pure and and you know how much you're taking on a regular basis and so uh in many ways that's a safer way to go than the natural the natural people are natural uh type people are going to go berserk over that because you know nature is better it's the way god intended they say but uh not so, now that we've alienated so, uh, put most that on of the our, apologies most list. of our Crunchy moms. The crunchy yeah, we'll moms to, will be, uh, be all over us for that. Apologize one. to the crunchy moms. The, the, the home, the homeschooler people will just be just just <laughs> laying waste. Um, did you have a good vacation, Craig? Well, you know, it it was work sandwiched with vacation, and uh, yes, I did. Uh, two weeks was a bit much. Yeah, that was um, a, who took care of Rufus the doofus. Oh, our our friend Kari did. What, was he boarded? Did she come over? Or did he no, stay no, with no. her? No, no, no. She she house sat. She she actually oh. works near our house and she commutes quite a ways oh. to work. Oh, so nice. Okay, it worked so. out nice for for all parties concerned. And uh, I, I loves, like having she loves Rufus, so that that was good. I, I like having people staying at the house when I'm not as long as they don't have a criminal record. I, yeah, I mean, I, I I like the idea of having somebody in the house rather than just kind of coming in and feeding the menagerie or whatever. That's that's a good call. That yeah. I, I heard you shaved him. <laughs> we did. Uh, we got. True? He's a short well, hair. He's he's not shaved to to a you know you don't see his skin except in a couple of places where I did a little bit of a hack job. Did, but, what uh, did you carve? Did you carve like initials into him? Or I, I was I was going to uh, you know shave a GW into his <laughs> side so he'd be a, a hey, little walking billboard. That for goes us. up on the website if you do. That. <laughs> May have to go home and do that actually. Uh, no, we got we got I, this guy. He's he's actually kind of a medium haired dog he he's 50 pounds but he sheds more than a pack of wolves he's just a shedding machine and uh paula she has to sweep up after him pretty much every other day they're just little rufus tumbleweeds all over the place so uh we had enough and we said that you, this you is going to end right him. now so we you shaved the dog we busted out the uh the shears, and uh, we shaved him down. The to dog's about a corgi Rottweiler mix, quarter inch or something. It's like that. It's a short. It's one of those slick dogs. I mean, but it's he, not even soft dog. It's slick. he sheds more. I'm telling you, I got a long haired cat, dude. There's no, there's like no sympathy here. I've got he sheds I've got, like a bison in, in molting <laughs> season. I mean, it's ridiculous the kind of stuff that comes out of that guy. <laughs> hey, I want to give a shout to uh, the Higher Things crew up in Concordia Mequon. Uh, yeah, they're, the they're doing their thing. The crucified Higher Things conference. I'm, I'm going to be uh, one of the plenary speakers in two weeks in uh, Logan, Utah. The little the little Western conference that could, but uh, this is the big one. I mean, the, this 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 conference was huge. Craig uh, Matt Harrison, uh, you know that name? I've heard of him. Yeah, he was there, plenary speaker, and uh, Jonathan Fisk. You ever hear of him? No, I'm not familiar. Well, he was there too. He's 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 the other plenary, <laughs> and uh, I mean that's. That that conference has some serious star power going, and it's at, on the lovely, lovely, lovely campus of uh, Concordia, Wisconsin, at Mequon on the shores of Lake Michigan. 
I, I've been seeing pictures of the gathering on Facebook, and it, it really beautiful looks fantastic. Chapel. Beautiful, looks great. Oh yeah, yeah. no, it's it's. I, I wish I could have been there, but uh, you know, you know how schedule. And hey, time did is. they uh, did they manage to hook Angus Manuj in anything? Since I he's don't already know. Up there? I, ho- I hope. I, I certainly hope so. I mean, he is. He well, is, that would be a missed opportunity if they didn't. First of first of all, he looks like Mr. Bean, which which is always good for just, you know, entertainment value alone. Second of all, he's one of our brightest apologists in the in the Missouri Synod. And and I think he's got probably one of the best beads on the science faith thing, which is kind of my little hobby horse that I like to ride. Mm-hmm. I love uh I, I, I saw Angus um give a talk to Doxology. And and uh, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I was taking vigorous notes, which is rare for me. And uh, we had a great conversation afterwards. But but I th- this guy is really sharp. I, I hope he's I hope he's teaching the kids there because uh, that's a great opportunity of, when you're in his backyard to have Angus come out. Indeed, and and Plus, you, know, you want Angus... you want a name like Angus on your your absolutely your, on your lineup. You got Her- name. You got Harrison. You got Fisk. You got Angus Manuge. You know, I mean, it's just it's a beautiful thing. So you you realize that we are twins separated at birth by a continent. Who you and Angus, Angus and I? Yeah, we were born on the same exact day. <laughs> there's a there's a quirk in the cosmic fabric right there. Yeah, there there goes your whole idea of astrology out the door. Oh no, yeah, it's it's been rendered just <laughs> meaningless um, at this point. I also want and and uh, I, I know you you'll be in on this too. Is uh, I, I want to um, just put in a word uh, to uh, you know on behalf of our dear colleague uh, Clement Preuss, uh, mm. who died yesterday. I believe yeah. it was yesterday um, after a long. Uh, battle with uh, with cancer and uh, and and he won. He, he the, the, the he won the victory. Uh, Actually, Jesus won in his baptism. I think. Well, but, uh, and and yeah. and and confers that you know, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord yes. Jesus Christ. So so uh, he he won, and uh, for that we are grateful and rejoice in God's manifold goodness and mercy in Christ. Um, I had the privilege of working with Clement for a number of years with higher things. Uh, I was his wingman, his his vice president, and then uh, then took over the presidency. And um, I really I really enjoyed uh, working with Clement. It, it was it was a, a, a privilege and a, and a great experience. Um, his books, you know, the fire and the staff. Uh, Really worth reading. Uh, he, he was a, a deeply pastoral man, funny, great sense of humor. And uh, the one thing that I remember about Clement most of all is that no one at his table w- went hungry or with an empty glass. Mm. Or if you did, it was your fault. Uh, he, the man was a, the man was a a Capanian level host. Uh, when you were over at his house for for a meal, you ate well, you drank good wine, you enjoyed great conversation. I mean, it, it was it was the model of of table fellowship at its finest. And I can only rejoice that our brother Clement is now. Uh, part of that uh, great marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. And uh, we look forward to the resurrection when uh, we can we can all raise a toast to uh, the victory that is ours in Christ. But uh, our uh, prayers and, and, and sympathies go out to uh, his family, to Jan, his wife, uh, to all who grieve his death. Uh, he'll be sorely missed. It would have been great to to have him for another 20 years or so, but uh, we're all born with an expiration date. This is most certainly true. And and as you said, he will be sorely missed in, in the Lutheran church and, and great, the church as a whole. Great guy, funny guy. Uh, the, yeah. You know, I always, that's, that's a, a way to test. Um, Dr. Nagel used to say this. He says, you know a free man in Christ when they can laugh at themselves. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and you know certainly Doctor Nagel could most self-effacing man I've ever met uh, never said a discouraging word about anybody including his enemies um, or detractors or critics or whatever. Uh, uh, Clevet Price was, was that way too. Uh, very very funny, genuinely warm, caring man. And as I said, uh, privileged to have sat at his table. It was a, a bounteous and delicious table. So anyway. We should yes. read, we should read his book in in honor of his uh, his life and his death and give thanks to God for all that that uh, 
he blessed us with through through Clement's life. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? Did you ever, did you ever meet Clement? I, I did meet Clem a couple of times, but, uh, you know, just in passing kind of things. Never my, really sat down and had a good talk. My wife my wife lays claim to to having a, a, a one-liner that left him silent. Yeah, he. Uh, in fact, I, I believe you were at the event. Uh, remember, uh, many years ago, God Whispers when we were first starting, we did a, a recording, a remote recording, uh, location at uh, the Fort Wayne Symposia. Oh yes, and and uh, I think we set up at a at a corner table at the Higher Things uh, banquet kind of you know meet and greet kind of thing. Remember that you you brought a bunch of stuff over and uh, in fact our our um one of our logo shots is taken when we were at that table uh doing the show yes. but but Clement Clement showed up late with his entourage you know uh, Clement always had an entourage and uh and he'd never met my wife before uh I'd, I'd had the privilege of being at his home a couple of times so I knew Jan but but he'd never met never met Karen before and and so he comes up and he gives gives her this bright beaming uh, smile and says, uh, "Hi, I'm Clement Preuss. And Karen, without missing a beat, says, "I'm Bill Swirla's trophy wife." <laughs> <laughs> and and apparently, I didn't see this. I didn't see this. But but Karen, who's not prone to exaggeration and telling stories much the way I am, uh, she said he just stood there frozen for about five <laughs> seconds and had no comeback for that. And, and I, I just, <laughs> I, I love that. So, yeah, great, great man. A privilege to have known him. Indeed. Well, uh, shopkeeping, that, do you want to get a... That kind of put a little damper on things. Not, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Uh, I, I don't. I, I agree with the comedian who says I don't understand why people are sad. People who claim to be Christians are sad when people die. Um, you know, when I'm as a pastor, I'm relieved uh, when 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 you can tuck them in safely. <laughs> you know, because you know how life goes, man. I mean, there's just so many, so many ways the devil can get at you. But uh, like Paul says, uh, I desire to be at home with the Lord. And uh, and uh, but he recognizes that he had a lot of work to do yet. And so, but but he he kind of had a sort of bring it on attitude. Mm. Uh, the way uh, the way a marathon runner strains for that finish line. You know, I've run the race set before me. Uh, you know, I fought the fought the good fight. It's like that old tired athlete that's uh, just just straining for the finish line, and he knows the victory is his. He's just got to cross the line, and uh, and so uh, I think the sadness is we don't have these people around to see and to talk to. You know, in the way I miss my dad, say. Right. Uh, but there's certainly a, a great joy in knowing that they are uh, safe uh, and that uh, the Lord on the last day will awaken all of us and raise us to this new life that is ours in Christ. And uh, it'll be great. So the future is very bright for the dead <laughs> in Christ. You, you, and in I Christ. Go, you and I go back and forth on this stuff. And and I, I agree with you in general, but, uh, you know, I also lament that it's a sadness that sin has made this whole thing necessary. Well, that, I, that you we know, even had to go there in the first place. My 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 take home is always First Corinthians fifteen, and especially that last part of that chapter. I always tell people, you know, at funerals, read this chapter. Go home, read the whole chapter. Uh, you know, it starts out with the apologetic basis of the resurrection of Christ and the centrality of it in the in the Christian faith. But it, it ends with this. You know, it's a, it's a very telling sentence, and I don't think we parse it enough. I learned this from Kenneth Corby: the sting of death is sin, and capitalized sin. It's not sins, but it's, it's it's the it's the condition this 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 thing this foreign thing, uh, the sting of death is sin. That sting as in venom, as in you know what makes a, a venomous bite or a sting deadly. The sting of death is sin. So it gives sin its its deadly force, or what gives death its deadly force is sin. And the power of sin, what gives sin its power is wait for it, the law. See, that's the unexpected thing. We thought that, you know, the, the law is good. We can mess around with it. We can delight in it. We can do all kinds of things. Uh, that thing coupled with sin equals death. Uh, the poison that is made when you mix together, this nitro and glycerin, sin plus law equals a deadly toxin. And, and the, the beauty is that our Lord took the toxin. 
he became sin for us and was damned under the law for us. And so he's like the anti-serum, you know, the, the, the animal that takes the snake bite and lives. And so you, you are saved by, by his immunity. So he rises from the dead and now gives us his word, his body, his blood, his baptism as the medicine for this, this venom of sin plus the law. So thanks be to God as Paul says, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's made death a benign thing. He's turned it into a sleep. In fact, I love that. Jesus, whenever he, whenever he raises something from the dead, what does he call them? He says, they're asleep. They laugh at him. Hmm. Jairus' daughter, don't cry. She's asleep. They laughed at him. He threw him out of the room. He raised her. Uh, you know, he tells his disciples, I'm going, I'm going to wake up Lazarus. And they go, oh, well, he's sleeping. He'll get better. He needs his rest. He goes, he's dead, okay? You know, I'm going to wake him up. Got it, boys. And uh, so, but, you know, that's the beautiful thing. He's, he's taken on death by becoming sin and taking the venom of the law into his own humanity so that, so that death really is no longer the threat that it is. Defeated enemy. Totally defeated. And not really a punishment any longer. Just simply, you know, if nothing else, Lord's discipline of the children that he loves. We got to die. Got to go to sleep in order to rise. Dying to live. Dying to live. That's it. That's what it is. I always love the the title of that book. Anyway, back back to the uh, housekeeping. May as well do that before we have to go to a break. (laughs) 593-7713 in the beautiful 626 area code for the Manly Doctors hotline. It spells Manly Doctors 13. Once again, that's 626-593-7713. Yes, the mothership, godwhispers.org. And email address, godwhispers at gmail.com. Love to have your emails. Uh, do we have time for one? What's, the, what's our timing? Yeah, here? yeah. We've got about uh, three minutes. All right. How about we take a quick trip to the mailbag? Let's. The God Whispers Mailbag brought to you by Big Pharma. Big. Take your pills. <laughs> nice. Faith and pharmaceuticals get you through to the end. Um, this is from Mark. I know Mark. Uh, writing the Thursday of Pentecost 4. Anybody who dates an email by its liturgical date, you're automatically apprehensive. Bill, I'm listening my way through the archives of GW as I walk each morning. Right away, problem. You see the problem developing. Several times in the early episodes, you use the phrase womb to tomb in referring to Christ becoming true man and so identifying with us in our humanity. I remember first hearing the phrase in West Side Story. Only Mark would know that. I wonder if a, I wonder if a slight modification of the phrase might better confess Christ's activity from womb through the tomb, he says. from Not womb to tomb, but womb through the tomb. Christ did not remain in the tomb, and as a result of our baptism into him, neither do we. He sees us into the tomb, but that is not our final resting place. He also will raise our mortal bodies through or out of the tomb. Um, kind of a good point. Uh, the problem is that we haven't quite gotten through that yet. We're heading to the tomb, as Craig is now uh, in the 50th year of his life. And, you know, I hate to break it to you, but that you, it's too late to have a midlife crisis. Because if, if this is the middle of your life, you're going to live an awful darn long time. Hmm. Well, see, I kind of missed it. I'm I'm getting depressed because I missed my midlife crisis. It's it's never too late. I though. drive a crummy car. I, I you know I I need the two seater with the the you know basically when you hit midlife you should get like a two seater sports car that's got a trunk big enough for one small bag of groceries and that's really about it. That's 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 where it's, at. it's too late. I'm 57. If this is my midlife, I'm yeah, it's horrible just thinking about it. Womb through the tomb. We haven't gone through the tomb yet. He did in our place. Uh, I'm trying to think how old was I when I got that convertible. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a nice car, by the way. It's probably about 38. Yeah, now, so, see, now you're talking. G- that, given, that, that was about right. Given your genetics, that's about the middle of your life right there. Yeah, I, so. I, sh- I should uh, make maybe 75 before I kick over. Maybe, yeah. So Maybe. Um, now, we are baptized into Christ's death, that's true, and we are forensically dead and alive in him, but not in ourselves yet. As, as, as Mark points out, he will raise our mortal bodies. The resurrection is something to come. It's not yet now in ourselves. So I would say with respect to our humanity, that is us in the flesh, Christ has embraced our humanity from the womb to the tomb. Uh, with respect to his humanity... 
as he holds all of humanity in his flesh, he has embraced our humanity from womb through tomb to glory at the right hand of the Father, so that Paul says, uh, you even now in Christ are glorified at the right hand of God. But not yet in yourself. That That's the problem with that one. We're not there yet in ourselves. In Christ we are, in ourselves not so. Mark goes on, I've only recently begun to listen to GW. Oh, God bless you. Uh, when first downloading the earliest podcast episodes from the cloud, it seemed to take a long time for them to load. I pictured some virtual worker scurrying down the long shelves of files to fill the distant long-ago shelved episodes. Happily, the downloading process is much quicker now. That's good. We pay more money now. Evidently, he now knows how to find them in a shorter period of virtual chronos. Ooh, virtual chronos. Now, Craig, again, new listener or new to us, mm-hmm. we, we need to warn him. He may be a little bit zealous being new to the GW and all. Do not, under any circumstances, listen to more than three episodes consecutively, right? Wait, 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 wait. Three? Is it three? I thought it was two. Okay, two. Too. I, you know, you're you're a little more liberal than I am on these things. I guess. You I, know, I, I think, I, <laughs> and, and especially if they're the later episodes or anything that has uh, Katrina Markov in it. Yeah, you know, be very wary of that. that that's that's uh, can't say enough. Um, he thanks us. He says, "Thank you for your ministry to me through this program." We'll see uh, in a month or so if he's still thanking us or if something bad has happened. I'm a little concerned that he listens to us while walking each morning. I I think that uh, that's a good way to fall down. Hey, we're we're past due Do, for a break. Could you get could you get legal to work on a disclaimer for us on that? I don't want to be responsible for anything that happens to him on his walk. I'll see what they can do upstairs for us. All right, send it up to legal. You're listening to the world famous God Whispers. We'll be back after this. The blah, blah, cha, cha, cha. Got no words to fit this tune. So you just say, blah, blah, cha, cha, cha. world-famous God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swerlow. What are you doing? Having lunch over there or something? <laughs> Sorry about that. I, was, I, I thought we had more time. <laughs> <laughs> Little, uh, you, you know, know I, turn, let me turn this back up so you can eat. <laughs> I just love that. It's called Plink, Plink, Plunk. I, I, I want to get our listeners used to this. Because, Pizzicato. Uh, it's going to turn up. This this is great background music for some segment that we need background music for. What just continually? Yeah, I, you know, if if we come up with a segment that we need backup music for, you know, background music that kind of like the mailbag but different. Yeah, I, I suppose you know we have so much music already at our disposal. You know, why don't you have more of this on KFUO? <laughs> I'm just waiting. You won't have to wait long, Craig. Someone is trying to call in randomly. Put them on. We'll keep this in the background. It's a risk. Should we take the risk? Absolutely. Congratulations. You're on the God Whispers. Who are we talking to? Oh hey, hey, best Craig. It's obsessive Mike. Obsessive Mike, <laughs> one of our characters. We, we took a we took a stab in the dark, and, this is and huge. we got obsessive Mike. How you doing, Mike? Oh, great. Hi, hi, Pastor Swirl. Turn that down a little, Bill. I can do it's that. A, it's it's a little loud, Mike. Just just a moment. Let, let's see if okay. Yeah, okay. Now we can hear you. What's up? Okay. Um, I had a quick question about the Trinity. A Trinitarian question from Obsessive Mike. Oh, this could be good. Yeah. Um, 
I was reading in Hebrews where it said that Christ is the exact representation of the Father, something like that. And so my question is, are they, if they're exactly like each other, then how are they three? And my illustration is when you put, like, two mirrors opposite each other and there's an infinite regression of, um, so anyway, that was my question. So uh, let, let me see if I understand your question here, because I, I was uh, daydreaming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if they're of the same substance, how are they different? Is that kind of he, what you're he saying? Didn't, he didn't use the word substance. Well, I'm, I'm trying to... Well, like, yeah, it just says, like, he's the exact representation. So, like, if he's exact, then how is he different? And if he's not different, then how are they more than one? Ah, do you, do you have the, the exact verse, uh, Mike? I, I know the verse you're talking about, but I, I, oh. I would, would like to locate yeah, it exactly. It's at the very beginning. It's like the first paragraph. Oh, oh, like okay. one. I think you're right. Hang on, hang on. Craig, keep talking for what, a while. What, what are we looking for? I have to think. You keep talking. <laughs> um. Hey, you know what? I just found a use for this. There we go. Yeah, there, there so, it is. This is some good background music for, uh, I'm, for a I'm, call with what obsessive I'm, What Mike. I'm looking for is I'm curious as to what the word behind the word is. Uh, representation uh, doesn't come up in the RSV. I'm, I'm just looking for it. You looking at uh, KJV? Um, I think it was like NIV or something. Oh, okay. Uh, what, what, what's the text know. again? Uh, I'm sorry. It, it's like the first paragraph of Hebrews. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, in I, Hebrews, I, I know what he's referring to. I, I, what I'd like, uh, but I, what, I, what I'm yeah, looking right. for is the word behind the word. That, that's mm-hmm. that's really the key or, here. Or like in Colossians, or like John one. You know, the logos. I have my Greek and Hebrew on my iPad here. Let me get to I, that. I guess what uh, here it is. Yeah, okay, okay, Mike. It's yeah. it's a Hebrews one three. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. It says so. Let's let's. Okay. Let's just take a gander in the Greek here, because I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious myself. It's a good question. I'm, I'm trying to get to that myself um, here. Uh, oh 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 oh. Um, so so yeah yeah yeah. Oh his glory and and the the character of his hypostasis hypostasis no less, uh, which mm. we we normally think of as person. Uh, but you shouldn't do that in Hebrews. Uh, so first thing I'm going to say is don't impose the later dogmatic language onto Hebrews, okay? Because the New, the New Testament is, is written before the Trinitarian controversies and all the ways that the church uh, attempted to summarize in some kind of concise language the mystery of God's threeness and his oneness, okay? You, you, you with me so far? Um, yeah. Because now, it, I, I understood that hypost- uh, <laughs> that hypostasis there uh, to basically also be an essence or or no that's usias uh, hypostasis is what the what ends up in Latin as persona what we get as person that's re- that's tough okay but see again it's the strain of philosophical language attempting somehow uh, to to get um, a, a concise way of saying God's threeness and his oneness at the same time um, Hebrews Hebrews tends. I'm going to say this cautiously. Uh, Hebrews has rather Platonic way of speaking. You see this later on in Hebrews, where the uh, you have the heavenly, you have the earthly uh, sanctuary is a copy or a representation of the heavenly sanctuary, and Christ as high priest presents his sacrifice oh, yeah, eternally. Right. You know, th- there's a certain kind of a duality there that that can make some people a little bit uncomfortable. That's incidentally why some people think that the author to the Hebrews was Alexandrian. Uh, schooled because a very Alexandrian way of, of speaking, but here what I would take the way I would just and this is without a lot of research, so I'm kind of going out on a limb and I could get sawed off on this one, but let's try it. Um, don't uh, don't impose the later dogmatic language onto Hebrews, but hear it in this way that um, it's it's similar to what John says in First John: No one has ever seen God. But the only begotten of God has made him known. Or what Jesus says, quoted in John, um, you know, he says to Philip, you, you want to see the Father? Um, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That doesn't mean yeah. that they're the same, um, but it does mean that that uh, the, the only... <laughs> 
the the only representative of the Trinity we're going to get is the Son incarnate, and and he because God is indivisible. Uh, when you get him, you get them all, and and so okay. and and so yeah. you know so it's a way. Um, and, and the other way also, uh, you know, I'm looking at it again. Uh, the the he the, the Greek is very different from what you're reading in English here, so it, it takes a little bit of doing. But that might be God in His essence. That the Son is the radiance of God's glory. God, not the Father's glory, but the but but the glory of God in His essence, and so that. Um, the Son in His incarnation is fully God. Okay, so so that that's kind of that's that's God. That's like Luther saying, "I know no other God than the one nursing at the breast of the Virgin or hanging on the cross." Um, that it's not really looking at the mystery of the Trinity per se, as it is the the divinity of Christ. And in Hebrews one, that's setting him apart from the angels. Okay. Right. Kind of getting into like hidden, hidden uh, mysteries, like not really something to worry about. <laughs> well, uh, something not to Mike obsess over. I'm just. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the the problem with paradox uh, is, especially if you like to dwell on things, Mike. Uh, the problem with paradox is yeah. you'll never you'll never get it resolved. It'll just keep flipping back and forth. Right. It's like those cu- those illustrations of a cube. Where you know you may take two squares and connect them, and you stare at them really hard, you can't tell whether the cube is facing to the left or to the right because your brain is showing oh, you yeah. both <laughs> solutions at the same time. That's when you stare at the mystery of the Trinity or God's triunity. That's what you get: is you get this kind of he's three, he's one, he's three, he's one, and 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 it, there's no resolution to that. It just you you just sort of okay. run with it. Um, Hebrew, Hebrews is a, a different animal uh, in terms of New Testament literature. Uh, wonderful! I'm glad it made it in. It was it got in narrowly, <laughs> but uh, but it's 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 really setting the sun apart so that we don't mistake him for an angel or anything in the created realm. Oh, okay, that was the main point. Okay, he is God. The, 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 the yeah. fullness of deity like, dwells in him bodily. Like the thing I always run into is always uh, vastly between uh, thinking that God the Father is the mean one and Jesus has to protect me from him, or that Jesus is the mean one and that God the Father protects me from Jesus. So, <laughs> well, no, you can't. More pastoral. No, uh, no, no main, no main ones with the Trinity. Okay, that you you get them all. Uh, Augustine had a great saying. He said the external works of God are indivisible. So whenever you deal externally with God, you're always getting three. Uh, the fancy term for that is perichoresis, that all, all three persons, uh, you know, indwell each other. Um, when, when, uh, when they're dealing internally, then you can make a distinction. So the Son is begotten of the Father, and the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. That you can do. But outside, dealing with us, you get the whole package. So awesome! All right, thanks, guys. Fun, great thanks, call, Mike. Hey, Mike, hey, great, w- great to hear from you. And 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 you know, don't don't think about it too hard. Okay, I'm just saying. Yeah, thanks. We'll try, yeah, good, good, good tip. See ya. Thanks, Mike. Hey, we gambled and won. Got to take care of Mike. Uh, that, that I was... love, I love Mike. 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 Mike thinks about things really hard. He does. You know, and, and just before the program, the phone rang and I answered it, and it was someone trying to call Charter Cable. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought this could go one of many ways here. You but, know, uh, but we're we, the, we took the risk and it paid off. We're the GW. We we don't. Uh, you know, we, we embarrassed ourselves in terms of not. Not knowing what the Bible verse he was talking about was, but yeah, that happens. And I don't know. You, you might be embarrassed. I'm... We're honest. We're real. We're yeah. real. We're getting real here. Getting real. <laughs> Speaking of getting real, do you want to talk about anything in the news or anything? Well, there's there, something there draw are, your are, your attention. Yeah, there, there are a couple things. One that that really kind of caught my eye, and and I want to talk about this only because the GW diva. Is is off currently at a at a kind of a monastery kind of place. Oh, she is. That that's, and, I thought you were talking about Ellie for a second there, but okay, I, you know, no, Ellie doesn't sing opera. Lori does. Oh yeah, diva. And, okay, got and, it. And yeah. so she's she's off, uh, <laughs> and I, I think that this is hilarious because she's there taking pictures and sending them Facebook and all the rest. And I just keep texting. No, no Craig, back. You, you know it's hilarious. I think she's at a Benedictine monastery. Is that what it is? They do silence from like right. six p.m. to say. Can you imagine Lori Lewis silent for twelve hours? 
Well, that's what I I, I keep I it's keep not messaging happening. back. It's not. Happening. I just keep messaging back. Shh. Yeah. Right. Just shh. <laughs> Even her texting is irritating the Benedictines. So anyway, uh, monastic life could make a surprise comeback in the age of Twitter, says Pope Francis Aid. Pace of life in the 21st century increases cravings for silence, says Vatican's evangelism <laughs> chief as he joins British would-be monks and nuns. And uh, basically the article goes on to talk about how we are so inundated uh, 24-7 with junk coming at us, Twitter, Facebook, cable TV, satellite TV, and so forth and so on, that uh, we're starting to crave uh, just a little bit of silence and uh, I know when when my phone has gone dead for a couple of days or something like that, all of a sudden I stop and I go, wow, why, why is everything so peaceful all of a sudden here? You know, we should try that on the show. Let's give our listeners 10, minute, 10 seconds of silence. You got the crickets going there? Because okay, we, we, so, we so do ten, this with... 10 seconds of silence. This is what silence sounds like. It just doesn't work for me. I'm no, sorry. you can't do it on radio. It, it, it got, just people start start trying to figure out. Craig, did, my, did my computer die? What's going you on? You can't here? do it in real life. It's dead no. air on the radio. It's dead air in real life. Look, here's the deal. You leave me in a room that's quiet, and I will go nuts inside of 15 minutes. You leave me in a room that's quiet, and I start talking to myself. You, you ever go to the doctor and and the the receptionist will put you in a room and you're sitting there by yourself <laughs> oh, for, oh, like, yes. for like 15, 20 minutes? You're just sitting there like, right. uh, with your pants around your ankle. <laughs> I mean, no, it's bad. It's just really bad. And then they never have good magazines that they got People right. magazine. It's like, what kind of garbage is this? So I take my I take my my iPad and because at least it's loaded with content. Right. So no yeah. Wi-Fi. They don't have free Wi-Fi in the doctor's office, which I really crave. But uh, you know, you think given the copay, we could have free Wi-Fi. Okay, just saying. I learned that uh, a long time ago. If if you have an iPhone or iPad or something like that, take it with you, or you're just going to be bored stiff. Yeah. Well, so, so what do you what do you think of this, Craig? That the the noise, the hustle and bustle of modern life, the tweets, the twitters, the Facebook, the cell phones, every, everything, just constant flow of well, information that, I, that people are going to retreat into monasticism. Do you do you see this as as a viable? No, option? no, it's not. It, I I appreciate the people who unplug for Lent. I don't appreciate the fact that they make a big deal about what they're doing, but I do appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you we, have to go hey, and tweet and and Facebook. Hey, I'm taking a break for the next six weeks. We eat bacon every Monday on Lent. I mean, that's you a bet. discipline, my friend. <laughs> but uh, monasticism has that same problem today that it had in Luther's day. Is if you go and hide in a cave. Uh, you're not serving your neighbor. You're not serving God. You're just hiding in a cave. Yeah, kind and, of running uh, from your vocation. Yeah, so maybe for for a week as a vacation, you could go live in a cave. That that'd probably be fine. Uh, you know, uh, go. I'd be okay if I was left on a tropical island with a barrel of pineapple juice and a barrel of rum. Uh, you know, for for a couple of days. Yeah, but if that's, I had that's some not good monasticism. That's a tiki bar. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> See, now you, the extrovert, could probably handle this a lot less than me, the introvert. You know, the idea of, you know, some time just not having to listen to people. Nice. <laughs> I'm, feel, I'm feeling it. You're feeling the tiki vibe already. Uh, yes. All right. You know, there there is a kind of a a, a a new monasticism. I've heard a lot of people talk about. You know, where you just basically sort of create a kind of a Christian lifestyle, or even a Lutheran lifestyle, or whatever it is, where you 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 kind of colonize, or you you listen to only certain kinds of music, or you read only certain kinds of books, or watch only certain kinds of television. Um, and but that's not really what this article is about either. I've got it. Yeah, I've got it. What? The GW style monasticism. Uh huh. We go on a cruise. You can't afford the internet fees or the cell phone fees, so you just you don't do that. Yeah. And we cruise. We we talk about crazy stuff. We talk about theological stuff, and we drink. That's it. That, that's, that's, that's that's my monastic that's your life monastic right there. Lifestyle. I'm 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 thinking that this might work for me. 
See, I think we misunderstand monasticism. Ah. And I think this article misrepresents monasticism. Wait, wait, wait. You're talking to a guy named after a naked monk. Well, that's true, the patron saint of nude surfers. But, but uh, no, seriously, I think this article misrepresents monasticism. It's not about getting away. Monasticism was a discipline, and it was supposed to be a discipline for service. Now, of course, in Luther's day, it became sort of a meritorious thing where being, you know, monastic vows were seen as something superior to baptism or some that sort of thing. But, but at its heart, it was a discipline. You renounced certain things in the world so that you had time, room, focus for other things, you know, the areas of service. I actually know modern day monks and, and a lot of them do. Uh, they, I mean, they're busy, they're engaged, they're doing stuff. But they they're kind of free of like you know I gotta mow the lawn later this afternoon. Well, they do they mow the lawn. Come yeah, to think of it, I was about to say why at, can't they mow the lawn at just the so monastery? Long as, just as long as they're quiet about it. They they they're good cooks. They make bread. <laughs> I go up to Valiermo once in a while. You know, hang out with St. Andrew's Abbey. It's a Benedictine monastery. Hey, I I tell you, in those Connecticut, guys, those guys know I, how to party up there. I was friends with an abbot up in Connecticut, and this guy was. A fantastic chef. Yeah, he, he was an amazing chef. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the monks like bread and winemaking too. I mean, they're they're, they're known to they're known to uh, what the August, the Augustinians I think said uh, have one glass to the glory of God and forego the second glass to spite the devil or something like that. But but uh, they uh they they were they were master vintners and uh, and really good cooks and and uh, make decent bread. A lot of monastics are into bread making. You know, curiously, I think Luther took some of the best of monasticism and brought it into the household. What do you mean by that? Well, some of the, you know, his, his forms for daily prayer, prayer in the morning when you get up, in the evening when you go to bed, noontime prayer, those are all monastic prayers. They're, 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 a lot of the stuff is just lifted right out of his monastic life before he got married in 1525. And uh, even just the daily disciplines of daily prayer made doable, not the nine hours, the canonical hours of prayer, but but something doable to somebody with a vocation. Uh, he he basically turned the home, the Christian home, into um, a genuine monastery, a, a place of study, a place of of hearing the word of God, of prayer and devotion, and of priestly service to the neighbor. Sounds sounds plausible. Silence. You know, Luther hated silence. Did he? Yeah. No, he, uh, there are letters where he talks to people who are suffering chronic depression. You know, Melanchthon was kind of depressive. Yeah, if you look at pictures, you look at pictures of Melanchthon, you kind of understand why. I suppose I, I, I think he was married. I don't know who would marry Melanchthon, but anyway. Um, but he said, "Don't go off by yourself." He said, "He said solitude is the devil's playground. That's where he, that's where you get the famous find some good company, mm. and 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 have a beer or two with with you know strong Christian men and talk a little rowdy and and uh, and that because the devil hates that." But but solitude and silence, he didn't trust that at all. Being he, being a man of the objective external word, he did not trust silence as being anything constructive. It was like emptiness waiting to be filled, you know, and, and, and saw that as the devil's playground rather than anything useful. Do you think that Luther was an extrovert? He seemed to really enjoy yes, the company of people. I do. I, I really do. Um, I, I I think that you know his table. It's, you know we're talking about Clevet's table. Uh, Luther lived in a in a renovated convent, and they had this dining hall, and and there were apparently there were always tons of people on at Luther's table. I mean, Katie was Katie was a serious cook. And and uh, but there were tons of and, you know, and they're all recording stuff Luther said so we'd have volumes of table talk to uh, <laughs> quote out of context later. But but uh, uh, no, I think Luther was very much the 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 extrovert. He, he clearly enjoyed the company of people, sought it out, and um, was very much engaged in. You, you could you can tell by his table talk. He's very engaged in in socializing and company. I, I think that this silence that that we're talking about is different for introverts and extroverts. For an extrovert, I, I think silence can be torture pretty fast. For an introvert, I think that that's an opportunity for them to be industrious. Um, 
to do more thinking, to maybe do some writing and, and that sort of thing? I, I'm not sure it's an introvert extrovert thing. Silence for some no? people. It depends about the. It depends on the voices in your head, really. Oh um, yeah, that, mine are crazy. Yeah, <laughs> um, because extrovert introvert is about whether engage interaction with people energizes you or fatigues you. It's not really so much about silence. As I said, if I'm in a silent room, I talk to myself. When I'm driving alone in the car, I talk to myself. Um, in fact, it's not much different than a God Whisperers episode, really, you know, pretty much. <laughs> Didn't somebody say I do like 95% of the talking? Well, on this a, show? a lot of the time I just leave the room and you don't even know. No, so yeah, that happens to me when I talk to people on the <laughs> cell phone. You know, you're talking and then, then you get this vague impression that this line is pretty quiet and you realize that their cell signal has dropped five minutes ago and it hasn't slowed me down. Oh, yeah, I love that. I love that. But um, I'm not sure it's an introvert thing, but I think think there's a good point. We do live in a very noisy world, and um, sometimes the noise has to turn down in order to focus on what you need to focus on. I find it very difficult to write if uh, there's music with lyrics going on in the background. Instrumental Hmm. music's okay. doesn't matter what kind. But... um, uh, the, anything with words, the words start to kind of creep in. And it's even worse if I'm translating out of a foreign language. It's really, really bad. So I, I don't like that at all. I think I've written some of my best sermons with punk rock blasting oh, in my no, head. No, I can't. It's got to be. When I write sermons, it's quiet in the house. It, I, it's I really don't. life changes, you know, and, and now I can't do that like when I was first in the ministry. Well, now you don't write sermons. You, you just need like one or two sermons to take on the road now in your present job. <laughs> Unfortunately, I like to actually preach the assigned text for the day. Oh, no. Well, you, so, what, what you got? How many years were, how many years were you in parish ministry? Oh, 15 years. So I've got, got a, a nice backlog. You got, you got a well. Yeah. You're, you're deep. But you know what? I was just talking with, with uh, my pastor, Mark Sell, today, and uh, I'm going to be preaching at uh, Our Savior. And I, I, I said, you know, with this new lectionary, it's like it keeps changing. Not only did they change it, but but it's like every time I turn around, it seems that every every fourth week is a different text than it was three years ago on that week. On that week, but it's not any yeah. different. It's just, it's basically what they've done is instead of uh, skipping the end, they skip at the beginning. So they're all there. There's not much different in the new lectionary. It's just how they handle the flexible season of Pentecost uh, from Easter to the end of the year. That's all. Well, as you can tell from the music, we're out of time. We'll catch you next week on The God Whispers. Until then, see ya. I like your style, man. My mind is a raging torrent, flooded with rivulets of thought.